friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening! Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Today, I have a very special guest, Sandy Combs. I'm so excited, Sandy, that you're here. Let me introduce Sandy. Yeah, she is awesome. Sandy has a master's in clinical psychology. We're very lucky to have her on the show today. She's also a yoga instructor and she's an AFA certified personal trainer. She recently stepped into life coaching for a niche with people with self-defeating thoughts. And she has her own brand of essential oils, or she make, makes her own essential oil blends, and her company name is Sandy Sense. So Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you, I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so glad you reached out. This is going to be really exciting for people. I'm just so excited to get to know you, to get to know what inspired you to make changes in your life. And I'm hopeful that this podcast will be very inspiring to other people. Yes, me too. Absolutely. So Sandy, tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Um, Well, like, like you said, I got my master's in clinical psychology around 20 years ago. And then I kind of got married right away, had children, kind of putting on the back burner. Um, and God led me in the fitness direction of helping people with their physical health. And I realized how much that physical fitness helped me mentally with stress and helped my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, I, feel, I really felt led in that direction. And just as of late, I felt the need to, you know, get into mindset coaching, into life coaching to help people live their life even more, you know, even more fully and to be able to heal themselves emotionally because the emotional um, struggles that you have can affect your physical health. And I saw that in a lot of my training clients, you know, that I was able to help and counsel in a way. So yes, you and I have a very similar story. That's exactly what it was for me. I was in the fitness industry and just realizing that it wasn't the how, that was tripping people up in their Mm -hmm. fitness. It was their self-deprecating thoughts. Yes. Yeah. It kind of kept them on a a negative spiral that we could get in almost like a comfort zone of just like a little circular spiral that we just keep going round and round and round, but we can't ever get off that merry-go-round, even though we know we need to, we just, we're not sure how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. What was the catalyst for you making that change and stepping more into life coaching officially? Well, I think having to deal with a lot of like resentments and inner anger that I had inside of me, because mm-hmm. I'm more of a, I was a people pleaser for so many years and a mm-hmm. peacemaker, which my family, my dad would always joke, he goes, oh, you're the peacemaker of the family. I was kind of put in that role, yeah. just being kind of the gentle, quiet, sweet spirited child they said I was or whatever, even though I was not far from perfect, but 
um, I was put in that role. And so I felt like I could never have those bad feelings. I didn't have anybody to express those negative feelings to. So I had to stuff it inside of me. And it finally came out over the years through physical issues that I was dealing with, like digestive issues, migraines, mm. um, where I had to get there, you know, go get some therapy and to discover it was a hidden root of resentment of people pleasing for some years and stuffing my thoughts and feelings and not feeling like what I had to say and what and my opinions were valuable or important or that people actually wanted to hear them. Absolutely. I definitely can relate to that. I grew up with a similar story of mm-hmm. and it's no one's fault really. It's just the messaging I received of was right. that uh you know I just had to agree with everyone around me. And I wanted to ask right. you if there's anything you can point your finger at of this is the reason why I felt like the peacemaker or I felt like my opinion wasn't my own was there anything that kind of led you down the path of not speaking up for yourself yes definitely I just I grew up in a um, Arab home in a small southern town so I felt very different a lot of cultural differences and I guess in that culture I just feel like um maybe now it's different but like back in the day it just felt like women were subordinate to men and that mm. the role of women was to serve the man, the men were superior into, with their intelligence, that you had to, to be like very supportive to the men, mm-hmm. that you couldn't disagree or speak up because that was disrespectful. So a lot of it was like respect for the men, but it wasn't respect for the women. Yeah. And so I felt like I tried to help the chaos, the chaos and the stress of like my volatile uh, parents were had that volatile relationship so I just felt like I had to kind of sm- be the one to smooth it over right. and I felt like if I did offer an opinion that disagreed with them you know it was like bad you know bad outcome right, so right. it's just a lot of fear of actually trying to speak out yeah absolutely. and just feeling like they didn't ask my opinion they didn't say oh what do you feel about this what do you think about that what do you think we should do what's your thoughts and feelings on this like we that's how we raised our boys to express themselves and to offer their opinion, offer their thoughts and feelings and to feel confident in that. So I guess I felt sort of like invisible and I felt like my opinions were not important and they weren't valuable, which right. everyone mm-hmm. needs to feel that, you know, who God made them and who their personhood and their soul and spirit is, you know, valuable to the world. Absolutely. So it's kind of a deep inner thing. If that makes sense, if people saw me, they would think, oh, she has it together. She's confident. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> but they wouldn't know that I struggled with those insecurities because right. I never really shared that. Absolutely. I can so relate to that. I'm thinking back to when I was in high school and college. On the outside, I came from the picture perfect family. I had it all together. I had extracurricular activities. I mean, Mm-hmm. I had everything going for me, but inwardly, I didn't. Yeah. And you didn't, almost didn't know how to put words to how I felt. It was buried under so many layers and so many walls. It's not till I really got to college where I had guy friends say, you know, you need to speak up in class. And they would help me raise my hand and answer questions and offer my opinions and offer my insight. And it just really helped build my confidence. When I left my family, because I didn't know who I was apart from being part of my family, because they drew so much attention and they were so like, I guess, in the limelight that Mm. I felt like no one knew me for me. It was only because I was part of that family. So 
so much I stepped outside of that, I had to find out who I was probably 10 years later than most people find out who they are. <laughs> really not until my 40, you know, like 40s. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you're saying, I'm like, I, that was me. I see myself in you so much. Um, I would love for you to share, Sandy, how you were able to step into yourself a little bit more. You, you had said, you know, going to college really helped and learning to speak up in classes really helped. What would you tell other people about kind of stepping into themselves? Okay. Um, well, what really helped me, which not everyone has this um, opportunity to do this, but I was in a group therapy class when I was in grad school. Mm. And when you're in any type of really group situation, you'll see this in group situations with maybe um, friend, close friends or family or someone you feel more used to being around, um, you will get into the same role that you were, that you were in your family. And so in my family, I was like the wallflower peacemaker, um, didn't make mm -hmm. any waves, didn't start any controversy. <laughs> um, and so um, I had people in my group therapy point out to me and they said, you know what, Sandy, you seem like you have so many walls that it, it would take a long time to climb up your walls, to jump over there and try to like tear them down. And it's like mm -hmm. you have your arms out that say, just stay away from me, keep me in my safe bubble. Yes. And that was so eye-opening to me that like, oh my gosh. And I think also being married, uh, my husband was very open to equal rights for men and women and that you need to have mutual respect for one another. Mm -hmm. And so he helped me figure out like what my opinions were, what my thoughts were, um, to be able to express my, all these buried emotions into words, which I had a hard time. I had to start like writing out my feelings. I started like writing him letters of how I really felt, what my opinions were, because I couldn't yeah. even verbalize it because there was so much fear and anxiety around verbalizing who my true heart and soul, what my true heart and soul was, because I felt like I had to stay into what my, the role my family put me in, yes. which wasn't my true self. Just, it was bizarre to me that I didn't even know who I was. Yes, absolutely. I really can relate to that. Just a lot of, for me, not knowing who I was and my family was very popular. My dad is not a pastor yet seen in the community as being basically a pastor. He has his own Bible study every week and he is kind of a superstar in that way. Yeah. And I was just his daughter, you know? Yes. 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 And so yes, I can I relate, relate to, to you don't want to, I never felt like I wanted to offer a different opinion or a different perspective because it did, I did worry that I would disrespect him or disrespect the family. And so I can relate to that. I've just staying silent to the point of not even knowing who I was outside of being his daughter. Yeah, you really, you really lose yourself and you try to be almost like an actress of like, who do I need to be? Like my husband would say to me, you know what? You're trying to feel the room to see what they want you to say, what you think they want you to say mm -hmm. to be able to make sure you get everybody's approval, acceptance. They like you. You're okay. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, you know, you're not confident in who you are. And I mean, I think God put me just with the right guy. <laughs> he yeah. led me to the right guy we met in Chicago. And uh, when I was in grad school and he was in grad school. So it's just, yeah, that's amazing to me because it just helped my growth like so much. Not that it wasn't painful. I mean, it's painful to unpeel those layers, but it's so freeing to finally realize, you know what? It's okay to be who you are. 
Right. And you may not click or connect with everyone. Not everyone might like you, but it's okay. Yeah. It's more than okay. It's actually like life-giving. Absolutely. When you're going through that discomfort of peeling away those layers, breaking down those walls and stepping mm-hmm. more into yourself, I know a lot of people who are listening are like, okay, um, how do I dive into that discomfort when it hurts? What would you say to people who are thinking that or asking that question? Okay, that's that's a good question because you can feel like you you run away from those emotions through numbing yourself with, you know, food or some mm-hmm. people get addicted to drugs or even my thing was work and relationships. So I try to get my validation externally. Yeah. Um, so I would say just start journaling, just start mm-hmm. free association writing. That's what I would do. I would just have like sheets of paper that I would just write down my feelings, free association, not trying to make sure they would be okay feelings or be accepted feelings. I would just like write it all down. And even things I was afraid to deal with that a lot of anger, because I thought anger was negative because my parents had a lot of anger towards each other and I saw it and it just seemed so scary to me. So I didn't want to be that person. Um, So I would say, you know, start by free association writing and then find someone that you can trust, either a mentor, counselor, or even for me, it was like one of my best girlfriends that we could still vent everything to each other. Um, and then my husband somewhat, yeah, I don't want to overload or, you know, be a burden on him always sharing constantly, you know, but just someone you can trust to be confidential and someone you can share with and they can be like, you know what, I understand. I understand. And I get that you're okay (laughs) to be not okay. And, um, that makes sense to me. I mean, those words really help like, oh, I really get that. Absolutely. One thing that you said that I think is so great is finding someone that can validate how you feel. And, you know, one thing that we had talked about before recording was what it was like for us growing up in religion, where mm-hmm. not everyone's experience is going to be the same, yet you and I connected on this, where we felt like we didn't have that safety to be vulnerable. And we had talked about how it's nothing against the church. I do think the church and people who are in churches mean well. Mm-hmm. And there's almost this fear of we have to fix everyone. We can't have somebody yeah. come to us in sin or in brokenness. Like we have to we have to find the root of the problem. We have to fix it immediately. And that was my experience was there was a lack of compassion or that's how it was received for me a lack of validation for where I was at and just wanting Mm -hmm. to get to the other side quickly you know fix a problem quickly yeah they brush it off and like oh you need more faith we'll pray for you Mm. um in my case I didn't have an adult that I felt safe to talk to about the things going on in my family that were not okay like the constant tension and the enmeshment the codependency the anger, the fears, the anxiety, you know, there was no one to talk to because people put us on that pedestal and they want to keep you there because it makes them feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it makes them feel like they could admire you. And um, yeah, there was no one that I felt safe to talk to. Yeah. So I kept it all in and it's very lonely when you, you know, have to keep it all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's, there are churches out there who are really good about, being a place for the sick, being a hospital for the sick in a spiritual yeah. sense and an emotional sense. 
And unfortunately, there are a lot of churches out there who don't know how to deal with brokenness, who don't know how to deal with negative emotions and thoughts, who don't know how to it deal with- It scares them, yeah. Yes, it scares them. It scares them. And it's like, like you said, oh, we'll pray for you. Yeah. Where then you yeah. feel like you're the only one that's messed up. Yes. And I think just a big part of like how I felt up until grad school is that I'm the only one I'm different, mm-hmm. um, unusual, nobody. I really came into the- negative story of no one understood me. No one could possibly understand me. There's no way. I'm just so unusual. Well, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm human. There's tons of people that have gone through the same thing. Exactly. Once you dive into therapy and life coaching, you're like, oh, hurt. Everybody is hurting at some capacity. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's just... a wounded healer. Yes. Yeah. Why did we just pretend for so long that everything was fine when it's not okay? not yeah fine. yeah yeah absolutely what is one thing that you think that people could who are listening who are like yeah I'm in a church like that where I don't feel safe to open up or I don't feel safe to be vulnerable what's one thing they could do to step into more vulnerability do you think oh my maybe you know find someone apart from the church that they could feel they could be genuine and real with and they feel comfortable with like for Mm -hmm. me when I got to the fitness industry I felt more comfortable sharing with acquaintances at the gym being more vulnerable and real with them than I did people at church yeah Yeah. I don't know I just felt like people had the masks off yeah and you could just kind of be real when you're sweating and working out and you're kind of distracting yourself with that you can actually share more I don't know it's just kind of a a bizarre thing but maybe find an activity where they feel uh they could let off some steam and something that's healthy for their body emotionally mentally a hobby or something where they feel like they can make some new connections absolutely I would 100% agree with that the thoughts that are coming up for me are you know vulnerability is one of those things where you kind of stick your toe in the water a little bit of vulnerability and you see how other people respond to that vulnerability. Are they going to be safe? Are they going to appreciate the vulnerability and get in the pool with you? Or are they going to run away scared? And so that's how I would say kind of test the waters of vulnerability and think like, well, what if I share this, this one struggle, how is that going to be received? Are people going to be open and willing to share their own struggles or is it going to be smacked with a band-aid and I'm silenced and then nobody else shares. And now, well, I'm glad I didn't tell them my deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really true. But you know, I felt that I was more isolated trying to appear perfect and not being vulnerable and lonelier. And then once I started being more vulnerable, people were like, oh my gosh, you don't have it all together. And it made them feel better. They're like, oh my goodness. Like, I feel better about myself now because I realize there's someone else that struggles with this. Like, I felt like it drew more people to me and it attracted more people to me where I didn't feel so lonely. And I made so many more connections. Like, it was more positive. It it wasn't as rejecting as I thought. Exactly, exactly. So that's one thing that I would want people to know is if you're in a group of people, it doesn't even have to be at church, but if you're in a group of people where you feel like it's very surface level, Test the waters of vulnerability, test that and say if, you know, if I open up and share, will it be met with more sharing or will it be met with fear? And then you'll know 
if I'm vulnerable and everyone else is vulnerable and safe, now I've just created more deeper connection with this group that I'm a part of. Right. And then there are some people that have said, you know, about me, they're like, oh, she's so intense or it might be too serious or, you know, and they stay on the surface and that's fine. So that's not someone I would connect with, but you have to be okay with that. I mean, for any person like that, there's going to be other people that will are deeper and you can connect with them on a real level, real genuine level. Because yeah. I think everyone strives to feel connected. It's like one of our main needs. Right. And some people that are the Stepford wife or, you know, the, the perfect little image, um, you know, they're probably very lonely people inside and probably pretty insecure because yeah. they don't want to share their vulnerabilities. They almost yes. feel sorry yeah. for them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And when people are, you know, hungry and starving for love, it's, it's very, it's the easiest thing to do to just offer somebody a listening ear and yeah. to comfort them when they're in their time of need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is very rewarding. That's what I love doing with the, you know, personal training. I found out just people to really share with you in your confidential. And it's almost like being a counselor, being an encourager and being a motivator. And Right. You're already what I love about life anyway. coaching because you can, you know, even take that further. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. What for you was, how did you know it was time to change gears? So you were in the fitness industry for how long, Sandy? Oh my goodness. I've been in the fitness industry for 21 years as a yoga and Pilates instructor, about 17 years as a personal fitness trainer. Wow. Wow. And what for you kind of showed you or allowed you to realize that you wanted to change? Uh, I just felt, I guess the past two years, I was craving a job that can really help people improve their lives even further and live more fulfilling lives. And I feel like the physical training only scratched the surface. And I feel like um, people that I was coming in contact with every day, I felt like they had even like more, maybe deeper issues or things that need to work on or things that would help them. Uh, just talking about their emotional health or mm-hmm. trying to work out their mindset and how that was affecting them. Not everyone, but just, you know, a few people. And I just felt like I wasn't living to my full potential. Um, I guess through prayer, journaling, just feeling God speaking to my heart and I almost felt like a kind of a weight on my chest yeah. to say, you need to get out of this and go to something different. You know yeah. what I mean? I just felt like this pull And I kept trying to ignore it and be like, no, it's okay. I'm in my comfort zone. (laughs) Like, this is fine. This is a role that people put me in. And I feel like in this role, I feel important. I feel like I have, you know, respect of people. I've been in this industry a long time and this and that. But I just felt like just a pull in my heart and just an excitement and passion for it, which I had kind of lost with the personal training. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing I've experienced in my own life is when one chapter is coming to a close and God wants you to start the next chapter, (laughs) you Uh just know it. It's this feeling of whatever chapter I keep rereading and rereading and rereading, it's dead. And yet it's my comfort zone, like you said, the ego knows my identity here. It's scary to move forward. And yet I'm not excited about this anymore. Right, you almost like dread and it I just felt like I was getting kind of drained and that I wasn't fully present like mm-hmm. I wanted to be because I'm the type of person I'm a passionate people person that loves to 
um, see how people tick and I want to help motivate people. And I felt like I wasn't motivated. So I therefore couldn't motivate people as well. Right. And I felt like there was something, a puzzle piece that was missing and that, you know, there was something else for me, like on a deeper level. Right. That I can impact more people and make a difference more. Absolutely. Was it as, as a fellow people pleaser, <laughs> experiences <laughs> in my own life, was it difficult for you to leave your clients behind to start something new? Very, very difficult. It like almost went through a grieving process, mm-hmm. literally like my heart hurt for about a month. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and luckily I, I didn't have to leave them all behind because I still have like home clients, yeah. but I had to leave the gym ones behind, unfortunately. I was very fearful and anxiety and anxious about disappointing people, right? Which I feel like I did, but it did work out for the best in the long run. But um, I was so nervous and anxious about disappointing people and how would I tell my bosses and mm-hmm. what would people think and um, how am I going to explain it to people? So I felt like a whole month of like maybe grieving, heavy heart, and I can't tell you how good I felt when I finally realized this is my um, direction and decision. And I feel, um, yeah, the defining moment for me, I felt so much overwhelming peace about finally making my decision. And I felt like literally a weight was lifted off my chest and I felt like a free butterfly, which I always mm. tell myself on like a, or so describe myself as a butterfly because I'm a free spirit and I'm creative. I'm not always punctual. I'm kind of in my own little world sometimes. <laughs> Daydreamer. <laughs> and so um, I just felt like so much peace and all of a sudden, like so much joy. And I didn't realize how anxious I was the year or two that I was contemplating mm-hmm. doing a change and yeah. just too fearful to actually do it. And, and just so much excitement of what the future holds. Absolutely. I so can relate to that. There were, I've made so many different transitions in the past couple of years to go into full-time life coaching. I had to transition away from my school because I was a teacher and I had to, more recently, I transitioned away from coaching at the local ice skating rink, which I'd been there for years. And I kept putting it off, kept putting it off, kept putting it off. I mean, even my closest friends and family who knew that I was trying to step away from it, they're like, you've been talking about stepping away for this for so long. <laughs> what? And you're struggling. You're yeah. struggling. Yeah. What is it? And then I had another life coach because even though we're life coaches, you know, we need support sometimes. Sure. We can't yes. just sort through our own stuff. Yeah. So I had another life coach coach me around why was I still there a year after I'd been saying that I wanted to go full-time into life coaching? Why was I still there? And for me, it was the fear of walking away from my students, letting them down. Mm-hmm. I just, I just yes. did not want to let them down. I did not want them to feel abandoned. Yes. At the end of the day, that was my root cause that was keeping me there. And something that my life coach helped me reframe. He helped me find the words, um, after listening and lots of validation. Um, it's not that quick fix, right. That we talked about how sometimes in the church, you're like, that's too quick. I need some time. He held space for me for about an hour. And then an hour into this, he said, you know, would you consider the possibility that because your heart's no longer in it, they're going to get more actually from a different coach. Wow. Wow. 
Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And at that time I, it, it, I shifted. I, I, so I could see it and I could see how I was showing up, not the way I used to show up. And that's when I was able to let it go because it's like, I am, I'm showing up one foot in one foot out. Yeah. And that's not fair. Yeah. I felt like I was going through the motions a little bit and I felt like I was struggling with it for like literally two years and back and forth, back and forth and in my mind. Mm -hmm. And it finally hit a button of this is the right time. And uh, yeah, you almost feel like you're jumping into the abyss of you can't grab a hold of anything because I'm kind of control freakish too. Like I, <laughs> I need to know what's ahead and I have to plan it out and kind of know what to expect. And I felt like, okay, I don't know. What exactly yeah. I'm doing or what, <laughs> what the plan is, but it's exciting. It's not the anxiety I had before of knowing I need to do something different, but it was more like exciting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that I'm hoping that our listeners are picking up is we as people tend to make these decisions so huge. Like it just feels yes. like so enormous like it's the yes. end of the world it's gonna be so painful and everyone's gonna be so upset yes. right <laughs> and it's so much easier once you do it than yeah. what you imagine it to be yes you it, and then you have the conversation I remember one specific client I was the most anxious about around this one client because they've mm -hmm. been my client for so long and mm -hmm. we were so mm -hmm. close and I was so heartbroken to make the transition and I, I had called them and she's like, oh my gosh, that's so great. I'm so excited for you that you're going to do more co life coaching. <laughs> and here I was just beside myself. Dreading it. Oh my, I had to make two, two, you know, major phone calls and I was dreading it so much. And they were so gracious and understanding Yes. and they're still adjusting to it. And I am too, because yes. it's still fresh and new. It's still hard, but um, yeah, it went so much better than I thought. I'm like, oh wow, they don't just like, they're not so mad at me. Like I thought, you know, just, yeah. oh. It's like when we honor ourselves, the right people yeah. will be happy for us. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I don't know, Rachel, I was going to talk about, I don't know if you wanted me to talk about this, but like yeah. the cycle of people pleasing that I found myself in. Yes, this would be a great time to talk <laughs> about that because we're already talking about it. I've put pen and paper to it. I'm such a better like writer than I am trying to verbalize my feelings just because I feel like I didn't have a lot of experience in childhood or teenagehood yes. <laughs> in expressing myself verbally with feelings. Um, So I feel like with that cycle, I feel like, okay, I have these needs and these um, emotional boundaries I need to keep and these opinions and these values, but I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to disappoint someone. I'm scared of what others think. So then what happens? I get this like anxiety, generalized anxiety. Then I feel like, oh my gosh, I have to bury this. So I get resentful, mm. the emotional pain's buried. And then I think, oh, but I'm getting someone's external val validation. Right. And right. I feel worthy because I'm making them happy. And, you know, they're thinking highly of me. And then it keeps going in that cycle of, okay, I have these needs. I deny the needs. I got the anxiety, but I get the validate the validation, but I don't have the internal confidence validation for myself. I have to get it from others, which is so unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering 
what that specifically that comes from. And you and I have talked about Enneagram before. We're both mm -hmm. in Enneagram three, which they have similar struggles and similar triumphs. And mm -hmm. for an Enneagram three, we grow up believing that we do. We're, our value comes from our validation from other people. And that's kind our of performance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're constantly in this environment where we're valued for and we're validated for kind of sacrificing ourselves or mm -hmm. our achievements, it's like overcoming that can be a challenge. It can absolutely be a challenge to yeah. step into ourselves. What would you say to, to people who are struggling with people pleasing? What advice would you give them? Okay, so what I had to do, which seems like a simple, simple thing, I had to stop and ask myself, what do I really want and need? And mm -hmm. I need to vocalize this. And it was really hard. Like my husband asking, where do you want to go eat? Or what movie do you want to watch? Or mm -hmm. um, just simple little things that I would check the room, look around the room, see what yes. I think it, someone wants me to say, or what someone wants me to do. And I would do that. So just kind of stopping and getting the center of my heart and just thinking, okay, what is it that um, I want and need? what makes me feel uncomfortable what do i need to maybe confront that i'm not comfortable with in my relationship um something at work co-worker whatever and then i had to dig very deeply to say it's okay to speak up about something i need um i'm i'm deserving of that and i know i feel anxious but i had to almost like dive into that discomfort of anxiety and then that actually felt very empowering, but it was scary. But I had to take that first step of what do I need? What do what makes me uncomfortable? What's bothering me? And then I had to say, I need to vocalize this. Yes. Even if it doesn't come out right, sometimes I would like stumble on my words and kind mm -hmm. of, and it would even come out like no one could really clearly understand what I, understand what I was trying to say, but at least I was trying. I didn't yes. get comfortable with just getting it getting it out there, getting it out there. Uh -huh. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I would say for people who are listening, who are either struggling with people pleasing or any habit really, where you're like, I want to change this. I just don't know how the first step is awareness, which awareness uh -huh. is literally just recognizing there's an issue. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like for you and your husband's like, why, why can't you speak up? You not you weren't even aware. You spent your whole life not even being aware that that was an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Until someone mm -hmm. else pointed it back to you of like, yeah, are you sure you don't have an opinion? It's just dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh, awareness. I have awareness that there's an issue. So that's, I would say step one. And then you talked a lot about this, which is focused attention. So focused attention is, okay, I'm aware there's a problem. Now I'm aware of it every time it comes up because I'm focusing on it and I would like to see change. And then yeah. the third thing that you talked about was intentional practice. Intentional mm -hmm. practice is maybe it is a struggle. Maybe I do have to use a lot of brain energy around speaking up when I'm asked, giving my opinion mm -hmm. when it's appropriate, and that's focused and it's focused and it's intentional at first until it becomes an unconscious habit. And then eventually, maybe, hopefully, you're able to speak up at some point without having so much focus and attention to it. Oh, that's excellent. It's a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other 
um, inspired action steps that you would love to leave our listeners with before we before we sign off? Yes, 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 yes. And can I add something before the inspired yes. action steps? Just that I feel like when I was in that people pleasing spiral, I had that low grade anxiety. I felt like I was always burned out trying to make everybody happy, which you can't always make them happy, even if you try. And you lose your true self. You become unempowered. You can't live up to your true potential. And God actually wants you to live up to your true potential. He wants you to be who you are, express who you are, show your gifts to the world. Don't hide as a wallflower. Um, He wants you to be confident and be courageous in who you are and not let those negative self-limiting, defeating thoughts hold you back. Yes, I love that. I'm so glad that we that you said that because I 100% agree. Like God sees our full potential from the very beginning and he's our biggest cheerleader. Do it, yes. do it. Speak up we for value. yourself. Yes. yes. Yeah, make this shift. And the weird ones are like, uh, okay, I, I guess I'll tip, dip my toe in the water <laughs> and see how it goes. Yes. And yes. from the get-go, God just wants us to live up to our full potential. I love that. Yes. So uh, I don't know, the action steps that helped me, and I was thinking about this, I guess, the past few weeks, um, that action cures fear. You've heard that quote, action cures fear. Just you have to just dive in, express yourself, even when you struggle to find the right words. Just like Moses in the Bible, he felt like he stuttered, you know, and he's like, how can I be a leader? How can I be a speaker? I felt that way. I feel like I'm a good listener, but I'm not a speaker type orator, you know, that's very like, smooth or whatever but God still he wants you to express yourself just get out there and try um you have to start somewhere release some of those buried thoughts so they don't like become a root and just grow into this like bitterness and depression anxiety a lot of those start with roots of uh burying your feelings and I guess the second thing for me um find a way to improve your confidence Embrace what you do well. Everybody does something well. Yes. Even if, yes. even if you feel like it may not be something that will be in the limelight or important, there's always something, even in the background. Um, instead of focusing on what you can't do, realize what you can, recognize your expertise, and try to learn new things out of your comfort zone, which this right here is out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but I wanted to touch myself. So glad you're here. This has been a best podcast ever I'm like I just I just knew I had to push myself and my husband's like are you sure you want to do this this (laughs) and and I said I just really feel peace about this is what I need to do and I love the opportunity and I'm just gonna dive in and I have two more steps hon if that's yes go for it go for it (laughs) um practice saying no um which is very hard for a people pleaser because they want to Say yes, so everybody will be happy. But oh my goodness, if you're not focused on your own goals, I've seen this in my life, you're going to be used to fill to fulfill someone else's goals yeah. and their agenda. If you don't have your agenda in your mind, um, yeah. and it's not selfish, it's good boundaries. I used to think it was so selfish to say no and do what you wanted to do, but um, it's not. It's healthy boundaries. Set yeah. your priorities. Don't feel guilty for realizing your limits and setting healthy boundaries. Yes. And the last one's rewrite your story. 
which I've heard you talk about before. <laughs> yes. And uh, think of your positive growth, what you've learned from your past experiences. I guess I've talked many years about my negative childhood experiences until mm -hmm. I almost got sick of hearing myself talk about it because I was blaming <laughs> my parents and my brother for how they made me feel and how I wasn't, wasn't didn't grow up becoming a confident woman. I didn't feel empowered. And I realized, you know what? I have to stop blaming them. I have to take responsibility. I'm an yes. adult and I have to change myself. I have to change my mindset. I have to visualize what I want um, and start a new story. It's yes. up to me. I can't put the blame on someone else. Yeah. I love take responsibility. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. And, you know, I have seen in, in my work and I'm sure you've seen this too, we cannot bring clients to that place of transformation until they're willing to take responsibility. And it, it's, you know, when you're dealing with somebody that has actually been a victim, it's, it's reframing their mindset to this happened to you and it was horrible and it sucked. And I'm here, you want to cry. You want to cry for three months. We will. And then it is time to get to the other side and take your life yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, it's up to you. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done for you. And the people that maybe hurt you or, you know, cause the emotional pain, they're not going to often say, oh man, you're right. I was, I did that wrong and I'm so sorry. And, you know, they're not going to validate, validate you often. They might minimize what you feel. That's what my circumstance was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been on this um, self-discovery journey and I just want to encourage people you know, you can run from scary feelings and you can get stuck in that, you know, people pleasing cycle that only brings you down and just wears you out. But I just encourage you to just start the first action step of just being able to even write down your feelings. Um, if you have, you know, maybe thoughts that are getting negative, it always starts with a feeling before it becomes a thought. So just, you know, be able to write down what am I really feeling? Am I like, angry or discouraged or embarrassed or lonely or this and that and just be able to start you know verbalizing you know just simple things of what you want need and your preferences and things that make you uncomfortable or things that make you happy or things that you would like to see done um or see in a relationship so just encourage you take that first step yeah I love that that's so perfect for anybody that hasn't been able to be vulnerable yet or hasn't been able to speak up for themselves or even we've talked about today just making life changes mm -hmm. take that first step and that's fantastic advice mm -hmm. um so sandy where can we find you listeners who are listening they're like i really connect with you i want to find you i want to follow you where can we find you i'm on instagram okay. uh sandy coach life seven and also i just joined facebook as well just under sandy combs okay Fantastic. I'll link those in the show notes so people can just easily find you on Instagram and follow your journey there. And awesome. I just enjoy this so much yes. and appreciate the opportunity so much, Rachel. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for coming, Sandy. It's it's so exciting to have a fellow life coach and one with a yes. master's in clinical psychology. <laughs> awesome. Thanks appreciate for coming it. Out. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. 
And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.